bit of a Christmas theme this half hour. At least we've got a couple of stories that deal with snow and Christmas coming up. But speaking of stories, have you heard of the Canadian History X podcast? Well, my next guest is the brains behind that. And Craig Baird is joining me now, host of this podcast. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. What a great idea to bring these stories and take a look at Canadian history. A lot of things that maybe people have never heard of or aren't aware of. Before we get into a couple of them, though, how did this all come about? Uh, Well, Canadian History X, I just started writing about Canadian history. And then I started my podcast back in 2019 and just spent pretty much every day, all day working on it and, and building it to the point now where, you know, I'm able to share Canadian history each day and then essentially make my living at it. And have you always been a buff or interested in, in Canadian history specifically? Well, I was pretty much, uh, when I was younger, I was interested in, you know, things like ancient history and such. But when I started seeing things like the Heritage Minutes, uh, Canada, People's History, and reading Pierre Burton, then I started to really get into Canadian history, and it kind of just grew from there. And I know that on the the website and where people can access the podcast, uh, you, you make a point of talking about that as well, that we do have so many stories in Canada. But, and I think people will, will think back to either elementary school or even high school, it does tend to get overshadowed by uh, the history from other countries. Oh, especially the United States. I mean, we know so much of the United States history. I think a lot of Canadians can probably name more presidents than they can prime ministers. And that's kind of what I try and work against is show that we have a really fascinating history to explore. And it just, you know, takes the time to do it. And uh, But unfortunately, yeah, we don't really tout our history a lot. And then we're often lost in the shuffle with the Americans and their history. We uh, came into this uh, conversation uh, playing a Christmas song, uh, White Christmas, and I know that's one of the topics as well that you have kind of uh, dug into, and that's more of the history of White uh, Christmases, uh, specifically here in Metro Vancouver in the Lower Mainland. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so... Uh, where I am in uh, in Alberta, we tend to always have white Christmases, but obviously you guys don't. It's usually more of a green Christmas, but that's not always been the case. Um, you never had a white Christmas in the 1970s, and in 1983, you had a little bit of snow, but then you didn't see anything until 1990 when you saw a bit more. And then you saw a little bit of snow in 1992, and then nothing for the rest of the 90s until 1996 and 1998, where you actually did have a white Christmas. And that was one of your first white Christmases in quite a few years and then there was no white christmases until 2007 when you guys had a little bit of snow on the ground and then 2008 came along and that year was kind of a crazy year for the lower mainland you had uh, 44 year old records that were broken because you had the snowiest snowiest christmas ever in the lower mainland you saw 109 centimeters of snow in the month of december which is pretty amazing for vancouver and the mainland and then nothing again until 2021 when you had just tiny bit of snow so while places like uh, Yellowknife and Whitehorse have a 100% chance of having a white Christmas, Vancouver only has a 9% chance of having a white Christmas based on its history. And in fact, the only place in all of British Columbia, the only major city at least, to have a white Christmas almost every year since 1955 is Prince George. Hmm. Interesting. And even when you went through those dates, I was trying to think back and uh, and, and picture it. And, and maybe because even though it's pretty, it can cause absolute chaos when there's a white Christmas and there's snow on the ground. Maybe I've kind of blocked it from my memory, but I, I, hadn't, I didn't realize there, there were such huge gaps when it came to when the snow was falling or when we had snow then. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you guys aren't too used to having snow uh, in December, like, you know, for example, Alberta, Saskatchewan, where, you know, 
five, 10 centimeters is par for the course, except for this year. For some reason, we don't really have any snow. But uh, obviously, yeah, when you have major snow events, it's, it's not always a good thing. No, not. It's pretty as long as you don't have to go anywhere and uh, go out into it for sure. Well, that's a fascinating look back at the timeline of that and kind of keeping with uh, history and stories that have to do with the holidays. You've also uh, talked about or you've been researching the history of Santa's postal code. Yeah, Santa's postal code. I think, you know, many Canadians remember writing letters to Santa and using that H-O-H-O-H-O postal code, which probably is the most famous postal code in Canada. But that all started because in 1973, there were a few postal workers in Vancouver who uh, were at the undeliverable mail headquarters for Western Canada, and they were receiving letters that were just addressed to Santa Claus North Pole. So these people started to work to answer these 4,000 letters that they received that year, just to kind of brighten some days for uh, for the children. And this was kind of a local effort that kind of spread a little bit around Canada for the next few years. And then in 1982, it was made an official policy, I guess, of Canada Post, creating that postal code. And so it was a nationwide effort. And the postmaster, uh, Roy DeBolt, said that year that he just wanted to make Christmas a little bit warmer and more complete for children to be able to write to Santa Claus. And then many of those first volunteers were actually Canada Post retirees. So they had some time on their hands, so they started writing letters back to the kids as Santa. And between 1982 and 2006, these postal workers, both current and retired, volunteered their time to answer 14 million letters that were sent over that time. And then by 2010, the letters had grown to 18.5 million. And today, over 25 million letters have been sent to Santa since 1982. And uh, letters don't just come from Canada. It, they come from across the world. And whenever a letter comes in, no matter what language it's written in, it's replied back on in that language. And that includes Braille. So it's a really special thing for children. And it really cements, you know, the, the status that Canada's Canadian or uh, Santa Claus is Canadian because he has that Canadian postal code. Huh, I never ever thought of that. And I do remember as a kid writing letters to Santa and putting that postal code on, but uh, I, I had no idea the history and the fact that it was made official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, quite a while now, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. And also, so I guess there would have been a time too, like you said, that a letter addressed to Santa, if it didn't have the postal code, it goes into that kind of the abyss and wouldn't have made it to the North Pole. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of goes to the undeliverable mail and hopefully somebody sees it. And I guess it's a good thing that those postal employees in Vancouver started uh, their own little letter writing campaign that's you know become kind of a very famous part of uh, Christmas in Canada now. Interesting. What? Uh, yeah, and the history right here. I had, and again, I had uh, no idea. Which is uh, great that you're doing this, and that the podcast is is bringing these stories. And I know they're not all Christmas related, but you've really been able to go into the parts of, of the history of this country. Uh, did anything is anything surprised you, or stories that that you you weren't expecting? Oh, I, I, yeah. When I'm writing stories, I mean, every almost every week there's always something new that really catches my attention uh, my episode that comes out tomorrow on the canadian caper uh when canada helped free the uh escape, the people who'd escaped from iran the uh during the hostage crisis i mean there's a lot of things that i learned from that that the movie argo kind of glossed over so there's always something that i'm learning when i'm writing about canadian history uh or even just yesterday i put a post up about uh, stompin tom connors never removed his hat even for when the queen uh was having lunch with him so there's all these wonderful little stories that I discover every single day. 
Well, it's a great resource and uh, mentioned uh, again the website and the podcast. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us and uh, telling us a little bit more about this. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you.